0: Me the paint. I'm an See, I
1: what's up everybody welcome into another episode of the hoop Troop brought to you by shooter's touch this is a program in which that we try to cover as many high school basketball programs throughout the state as possible we break down some of the rankings that are coming out and how those work. Chris, Coach Chris Larson says no more youth practice on certain nights. So you have to stick around to hear what his thoughts are on that. We have Tony's excellent breakdown of all the players and games in which that he's taken in, as well as Doug's 3A pick of the week. And a very special shout out from Coach Betts at the end. So stick around. We hope you enjoy it. As always, shoot or shoot shooters and troopers welcome into another episode of the shooters touch podcast we have another hoop troop we have everybody we have the whole crew in the house tonight really excited to get things going to talk coops we're in the second half if you will of the season um this is where things get real uh it starts to get the thick of it we've already seen some good matchups here in the first couple weeks of the year excited for what's to come uh, we'll get to everybody, but before we do, Adam, how are things on your end? Uh, you guys are starting basketball too this week, right? Oh yeah. We, uh, yeah, little guy is, uh, in the
2: full swing of the second half and, um, you know, just, uh, a, a good first week back, you know, week and a half from the break, uh, went to a couple games and seen some good basketball, you know, not just in, uh, high school, but college and NBA made my first trip to the McLeod center yesterday. So, um, very, very exciting. Saw a great win by the Panthers, uh, who are rolling. Um, got three in a row. And, um, yeah, very excited to talk some uh, Iowa high school hoops here.
1: Absolutely. We're, we're going to jump right into it, uh, as always. We we got the whole crew. We got Doug in the house, Tom, Tony, Uncle Larson, ready to go. <laughs> going to uh, dive into some stories here once we get into this. But I want to start with, as we as we usually do, talking with the coaches and I'm um, going over a couple topics and maybe a few things that we've seen and and so uh tom and chris i want to get your guys's ideas uh as far as late game situations um from the bench side of things using your timeouts so uh, as you're as you're kind of going through a situation um i'll set i'll set this first one up and then we can kind of talk general but um uh, Say that uh, you are it's a tie game. You're on defense. Um, unfortunately, your your player commits a foul and you're going to the line. Um, they're going to the line to shoot two. Um, how would you how would you handle timeouts in this situation? Is it something where you're going to call timeouts, split the free throws, wait till the end? Like when you when you when do you normally or how would you handle that situation uh, to use your timeouts to set your players up uh, to be successful? Say with Five seconds five and a half seconds left
3: how many timeouts do we have left
1: you have two remaining
3: okay two timeouts left
0: in five seconds now they're shooting to to break the tie correct all right well i probably want to uh try to freeze him before he shoots there's a two shot follow i imagine at this time it is okay that's what i figured um i probably gonna freeze him before the first one uh because there's you know uh I just, I just want, I want to give him more time. And I think that, uh, you can talk about different scenarios then, you know, if he makes one versus two, uh, not that it matters, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm probably going to freeze him before he shoots, uh, his first free throw.
3: Yeah. I've gone back and forth on this. Um, I don't mind that just cause I think it gets out of the flow and the rhythm, you know, anytime you get them, get a shooter out of their rhythm and have thing i passed too just to i've kind of gone back and forth is let him shoot the first one and if he makes it i call a timeout if he misses then i i make him stay up there Um, With two timeouts though the one thing for sure i'm doing i'm going to try and use the second timeout to get us to half court i've just i i i am i can't stand like the baseball passes unless it's an absolute only option i have but if i had two timeouts I'm going to use that second and try and like throw a football pass to, to half court and call a quick timeout or, you know, kind of drill you guys so that you say, hey, five seconds. If we get the rebound, tell your point guard to be in there, dribble the half court as quick as you can, timeout. Even if we're at two seconds, I I, I feel we have pretty good sideline inbounds uh, place to, to get that to work.
0: I, I was just going to say, with that being said, if uh, I, I always. I was a I didn't try to use timeouts at all during a game cuz I could use five timeouts in the last minute. Uh but I would say that uh that I this situation just came up last week and and w- again I think as coaches you always learn through either your mistake or someone else's mistake and then that situations handed down. And this kind of goes into the same deal my my son's team was playing and and uh over in Nebraska over break uh, tie ball game they're on the if the, uh with the other team shooting free throws and uh they are, uh, I'm sorry. Well, and they're shooting free throws. I was taught that on that second free throw, always have a sub at the bench mm-hmm. to sub in so you can get your defense set because teams, so many teams you see that they don't have a sub ready and that shots, even if it's made you, they take it out quick. And this, this happened. Uh, they took the ball out quick, got it up. Nobody knew who they're guarding because you know, they're in a defensive rebounding on a free throw position and uh that that's one situation that uh, I, I watch for now, just because uh, I know of. We were burned on it twenty years ago.
3: I remember us. We we always it's we we called it smash, and it was just a sideline break, just you know pass to the outlet, pass pass, and we actually and then had a rim runner, and um, I remember two or three games we won using that for the same reason, Tom. So. Again, just to coaches listening, to stuff. what a great time of year to kind of start thinking about special situations like that and getting them getting them ready.
4: So I'll ask you another question: If you're the shooting team and you're up one, do you put guys on the line or do you pull them all back? I, I was all I wanted my guys shooting free throws,
0: how they're not used to shooting free throws with their team up teammates up there. Now some guys are like, no, we don't want to foul. Well, again, if you have to practice these situations too. And if you don't practice it, then that's when fouls happen. Uh, but some, some coaches are fine moving their guys back. I just wasn't one of them.
3: So I, same thing, I like to have our guys up there, especially if it's close like that. Sometimes if it's like seven or eight points, then I, I'd move them back and, and I'd feel all right with it. But I also think sometimes the ball just bounces to people, you know, like a long rebound and you have a guy there and they catch it and they kick it out and the game's over. It, you know, it, it never hurts to have them plus if if you do like what uh tom was just saying have a sub there you can tell that guy don't go crashing in if you you know it just just uh don't worry about it so it's i mean i i i think it's a good question though Doug.
1: how conscious are you guys of having a timeout to, for an inbound is it something where you're constantly kind of thinking like if you have two timeouts we get caught in a situation like say he misses like do you want now you're a tied game can't get the ball in bounds is something that you try uh, if the scenario sets up to make sure that you still have one in the pocket
3: well personally I wasn't so worried about that I was always worried about one timeout left any time in a game so that if you score you can call a timeout and they can't just let the let the ball bounce run out. right and yeah. and so that's why I always felt like because you know 10 seconds left or something and and you you have to go down and score and if you, you don't have any timeouts left. Um, I've actually talked about it with a few people It's probably at that point you should like kick it out of bounds and maybe the ref would blow his whistle and say delay a game morning or you get lucky somehow or. But you see what I mean that That's what I always worried about was not having that situation
0: covered. When you're out of coaching, I think you watch timeouts. I was a former coach. You really watch how coaches handle timeouts. Uh, some coaches are they've got a they've got their whiteboard out every timeout and they're drawing something up. And I I always wonder what are you drawing up. I mean, are you putting in a new play? Uh, because uh, you know, not any, sometimes you do. I'm not saying you never do that, you know, or, or you put an option in that, hey, you know what, they're, they're, let's slip this right here because they're overplaying this. Uh, but white, but whiteboard at the end of the game, you know, is maybe, but, you know, that first half of getting the whiteboard out. And, and uh, again, I never like to use timeouts. My, if I called the timeout the first half, it was probably because I was going to choose something.
1: I could see that, Tom yeah <laughs> like at the college game you know they'll call time a full time out and the coaches will all meet for 30 oh, sure. seconds and they'll talk and then they'll go in and talk to the players yeah um, is that something what What are your th- feelings on yeah. that
0: yeah I mean we we would do that a lot I mean my staff always got together and we would you know even you know maybe not in this maybe not in a short time out in a full time out we would a lot of times get you know five seconds hey you know uh, I had I was fortunate I had uh, I had a staff that was we were all together for you know, 10 plus years. And so there's a lot of trust there. And I listen to those guys most of the time. Sometimes I didn't, <laughs> but uh, you know, and so, um, and I think, I think your players like to see that, that you're, you know, they, you, you expect to have them to work as a team
4: as coaches. They want to see you work as a team. That's good. Maybe you started that. Best. You coached what, sixties and seventies. Maybe you were the originator. Yeah, of that. yeah.
0: Here, let me get some, my, my plaid pants out real quick.
1: like you said and you brought it up earlier i think it's something where once you're on the other side you kind of pay a lot more attention i think between the timeout usage and when and how coaches use timeouts um in sub rotations as well i feel like you're kind of watching subs or when to sub or when people are coming, like the little things that it's a lot easier when you're sitting on this side and you're kind of watching as opposed to, you know, remembering when you're in the heat of the moment and like, hey, we should have a sub at the table or this person needs to get in or let's use a timeout here or let's save two or or whatever it is. And so those situations come up often. And that's why it was one of the things I wanted to lead with tonight and get your guys's ideas, because as you mentioned, you're either learning from yourself or you're learning from somebody else.
0: Or, well, here's another thing that I watch a lot too, and I again, not being a shooter, I was not a shooter. Uh, Doug can attest to this when you see a kid and he maybe he's been cold or whatever, but he drains two threes in a row and then somebody subs him out. I'm like, no, I, I, I don't even if I had somebody at the bench to sub for that kid, I'd say, you know, going for Jimmy, yeah, get somebody so, else. Johnny's staying out there to, to miss a shot,
3: yeah. Brian, I was really lucky. So I had Andy Howard who had 27 years of head coaching experience coach with me my last 10 years. And I think anybody who has, who has been a head coach at any point in time, it really is helpful on the bench. Cause I I think what, what Tom just said is correct. You do see it differently after you've lived it a little bit. And uh, we always said, once you're the one calling timeouts and, uh, having somebody not only that you trust, but also just having somebody who's been in that role before, I think really does help. And it's a real advantage for 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 the teams that have that.
1: And then to the second point of that too, and having good assistants and people on the bench that you trust, how how did you guys handle subs? Was it something that you you called the shots or did you have someone on staff that usually handled your sub rotations or what? Did, how did that look like for you guys?
0: I did every sub. My yeah. they, my what my assistant coaches didn't get their names in the paper. I did. So yeah. if if I was it basically if I was going to get if I was going to get ridicule for who I played, I might as well be the one responsible for it.
3: I think part of the head coach's responsibility, or should be. So do you have a pretty set rotation usually? Like,
4: okay, at the four minute mark, these two are going in. I mean, you kind of knew the first couple quarters, or I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm assuming. For the most I, part, you did.
3: actually, that's a good question, Doug, and it's something that I thought helped me so much. With uh, I always felt pretty blessed with like parents, and you know things were good. But I, I also think you don't want to surprise not only kids but parents and everybody else. That there, it should be predictable after the first couple weeks. And if you are going to kind of change up that rotation, that should be something you talk about the night before in practice, so they have a chance to tell their parents and. I just guess, to me, that that is one of the little things that I, I felt pretty strongly, and it, it's not a power struggle thing. It's just, this is the game plan. Now, I make me change that game plan, but this is what I'm planning on going into the night. Um, and, and I just think that that really helps when you have a predictable game plan that not just you know, I think there's nothing worse than when you're watching and you're like, I wonder who they're subbing. You know what I mean? Like, Teams that you watch where you can see where it's predictable and stuff, I think there's a calmness um, in the whole organization.
1: It's interesting when you have, because you will definitely see where some are predetermined sub, sub rotations or you kind of know who's going in for who. And there's, you know, advantages it, it feels like to that. And as long as you're able to pivot and, and adjust off of it, but the, the communication thing, especially having that ahead of time is always is always huge. And that's something too that you kind of got to fit what works best for you and your program and your situation and what you're trying to do and then uh, be able to adapt, I think is the other part of this. And so, well, coaches, we appreciate it. always love getting some tips and some insight from you guys here to start off with. We know we've got a lot of coaches following along and listening. And so if we can provide any help or any information, that's uh, a big part of why we're here. And so before we get uh, too further, further into this and talk about uh, our games and the games of the week and some of the stuff that we saw and what we're looking forward to this week, Got to bring in Tony. Tony, it's been a little while since we've had you on the pod. Um, Help us out. Where's the gym count at? Um, I, I, I know you're busy. This year looks a little bit different for you, but catch me and our listeners up. What's, what's the Iowa gym count right now?
5: Yes, I think I've only added one, actually, since we last talked. Uh made my way down to Wilton when they played Pella Christian a few weeks ago. Uh, so that is now gym 101.
1: 101.
5: And, yeah, and it, and yeah, like you said, it's it's. I'm probably not going to add too many this year with with being on the two A rankings committee. I'm trying to watch more more two A games than anything, so so it's a lot of sitting at home and watching live streams and stuff. But I'll tr- I'll try to add a couple more before the end of the year for you.
1: Yeah, no, we we'll definitely follow along with that and and keep up with all of that. How how has the the rankings committee gone for you? I know it's a little bit of an adjustment from having to focus more on one class and, and less on maybe your region. But uh, what, what have been your takeaways early on?
5: It, I think it's a, it's a big step in the right direction. I'm um, um, for the state I, I'm sure Chris and Tom who are serving on the three A committee would agree that, that the association has been very receptive to the input that myself and Jim Ekoff and uh, Jacob Brindle have been providing for two a um, I'm sure they've been receptive to what Chris and Tom are saying in 3A. Um, so I, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction um, as far as figuring out how to make uh, postseason play better around the state.
1: So let's go. I want to get from all three of you guys since you're on this committee. Obviously, share with what what you can. Um, I'm not you know fully fully understand it as far as your whole <clears> what you guys can share with us and how this whole works. But uh, how has it been? What what kind of feedback have you guys been able to provide? I mean, Tony, you just touched. Sean it sounds like very receptive Um, overall a couple weeks into this would you say that this is something that uh, is as you said definitely a step in the right direction something that's going to continue to grow legs and continue to go and um, when things really start to matter here come postseason is it is it going to really play a a nice role And Making a a better basketball environment for the players, fans, and coaches.
3: I think I would agree with uh, Tony. It's just the process has been really good. Tom mentioned it earlier how the kids want to see his coaching staff work collaboratively. I think a lot of coaches, communities enjoy here in the states working collaboratively, right? Like not holding it like it's a little golden egg that it's all theirs. I'll give give you just a for instance. I mean, with me, Tom, and um, the other um, guy who's on the committee is Scott the, Unash. Yeah, Scott. Yes, he's a radio guy in Cedar Rapids. So he sees Xavier a lot. You think about that, we all kind of come in from different angles, and you put all those together, and that's all they're really asking us for is just for input, kind of our opinions, what we've seen. But anytime you're getting more information, um, and, and I've been impressed with them. They, they know everything that they should know going into the meetings, but they're just kind of asking us to add, you know, kind of from our different views of the world. You know, obviously if you're in the media, you've been, you've seen a lot of teams uh, and if you've coached, you kind of, you know, I think we, we know what good teams are going to look like in the end. So I think it's a huge step And how fun is it now, you know, that every Monday, we're gonna come out with new rankings. That, that's exciting for basketball.
0: I, I would say that too. That you know, it's uh, at least when in our group, uh, you can tell that. I mean, first of all, you can really tell the, the homework that the uh, uh, the association is doing because I mean, they they know schedule who's played who. You know how bad that you know they beat X, Y, and, and Z teams by. Uh, but I think what we do is we come out of this, and you find out that, you, that we don't really find that we have five different opinions or six different opinions it's like we, we're pretty much have a consensus and it's not because we're just laying down it's because we've I think everyone's done their homework and we're coming up with kind of the same conclusions
3: you know Tom what's interesting though when you say that about I think the other good thing for the state just in general is it I don't want to say forces because you know I, and I'm sure if they were on here they'd say they were trying to keep up with everything but when you have to have a meeting designated to each class every sunday it kind of forces them to stay on top of things right whereas if they're kind of just trying to to keep up with it it doesn't it's not uh just maybe quite as urgent as i think this is making it
1: well and to add to that too i mean it's something for you guys i mean you watch a lot of basketball you watch a lot of 3a basketball 2a basketball whatever class it might be but now you feel obligated slash forced to be like, I need to watch a little bit more or a few yeah. more games, or, you know, maybe I'm going to miss that four a game or that one a game that I was going to watch. Cause I got to catch another three a or two a game. And so it's just, it just puts a little more accountability. It feels like on everyone's plate.
0: I was just going to say the access to huddle has been great because you know, you don't have to watch. I mean, not that we're all geniuses, but you can tell after watching a quarter or a half of a team uh, what, you know, what they've got, you know, are, are they really a top level team, or maybe they, maybe their their conference isn't quite as good as the other con. I don't know. They just it really allows you to to gather a lot of information. I think it has
4: created a lot of excitement. I was talking to a coach on Saturday that who is not ranked and won't be ranked. But what he was curious about is these rankings are great, one through ten. It's what do they do with the rankings at the end of the season? So do those top ten get a your own region or top eight and then what happens with 11 through 16 like the girls have one through 15 and they try to split it up 15 and one two and and 14 or you know however it lines up so the rankings are great it's a pretty excitement but then now what's the not to be devil's advocate what's the next step in this and how are these regions put together i think that's where when I was talking to Coach on Saturday, and that's where he was really curious. Okay, what's what's going to happen with my team who's not ranked, and w- where am I at? Um, you know, kind of are, are we going to be put with the same teams in the same area again, or, you know, can we travel somewhere? Um, so I don't know if you guys have any insight how that actually would come together, or are you guys just ranking teams?
3: Yeah, that we are just ranking teams. I will tell you, I, I think at the first meeting – discussion as to this is a stepping stone right so i i I think they would be the first to tell you that this was the start of something that they might want to see grow over the next few years right and and i do know the language they use to us because i i I listen kind of closely they are looking for their top eight teams they are going to do their best to split those eight teams up but they're not going to ensure that all eight if you're the top eight, it could happen logistically. They, they they've kind of made that clear that they're not gonna go full on a hey, anywhere, anyone could go anywhere in the state. The the thing they did say they would stick to is once you get to state that last rankings would be how you're seated at state. You kind of see what I'm saying the difference in terms of yeah. um they said they're gonna do their best to try and split those eight, but like Let's just say for an example, six and eight makes sense to be in a region and nine doesn't. They might put six and eight and then nine with, you know, with somebody else. Or so. I, I, but
4: why? 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 Why would that make sense? Why, why can't Norwalk? Okay, let's say Pella. I'm from Pella. And Pella's not going to be probably a top eight. But why? Pella, a, a team wouldn't if they had to travel to Clear Lake, they wouldn't care. Or if they had to travel to Sioux City for one game, they're not, they wouldn't care. So why, if they, number six and number eight had great seasons, why not give them their own, their own region? That's, you know, I mean, that's something that coaches are going to ask. Well, I think that is
0: the ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and again, I think, I think this being the first year they're It's, it's, they're probably going to make, you know, uh, make adjustments and, and figure out, I mean, there are probably going to be some mistakes made or some things that don't make people happy, but I think that there's, it's a good first step and we'll see where it lands.
5: Yeah. Yeah. When, we, when we met during the fall um, in Boone, I, they kind of made it clear, like we're not going straight into an S curve model where, where our top team is going to play number 16 and so on and so forth. But it's, I think that might be something that we are looking for five, 10 years from now. It's it's not something that they're just gonna jump right into. Um, they're gonna they're gonna see how this goes, um, see what the input is from from coaches and athletic directors and the public and just see see how this first run goes and then we'll make adjustments going into the next year and the next year and the next year until we um I, I don't know if it will ever get exactly how the girls union does it where it's where you've got a sioux city team playing a davenport team to go to state um but but it, i think that it's still a, a big step in the right direction what we're what we're doing here
3: just one last thing brian um and, and Doug. kind of your point i was and tom if you could talk to this you know because i think um one of the maybe small Misperceptions I had is that everybody thinks that the regional things are not good. I will tell you there were there there were voices and they shared that it's a, a concern for some people don't want to travel. They'd rather play in their region, smash it out, and let the winner move on rather than go a long ways and then have to come down, travel three hours to to play the next game in Des Moines. Tom, I don't know yeah. if if because that was kind of a northwest of West Iowa thing that I was surprised to hear.
0: Yeah, I think like you know if I can speak on Northwest Iowa, especially uh, 2A and 3A, you know it's they just want to make sure that that uh, for example that if uh, I mean I, I just the one I've been watching a little bit is let's say MOC and Helene if they stay in the top you know five throughout if 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 the pl- tournament started tomorrow, if they're both in the top, top five or top six, they'd want to make sure that maybe. Uh, they sent Helan south and and uh, MOC stayed north and and uh, so that both those teams would have a cha- you know a chance and they want to just do as much of that as they can versus trying you know the old days where uh, you know uh, Western Christian Boyden Hall would would be beat, to beat, beat each other up in two A, and only one of them could make the state tournament.
1: That's good. That's interesting. It's definitely something that to all your points, it's made a lot of excitement around the game. It's something where first part of January, you're paying attention to what's coming out and they're going to change a ton as they already have. I mean, we already had some teams this week that lost that I would assume are falling out and some teams that are moving up. And so it'll be the uh, uh, fun thing to keep an eye on here as we move through the thick of January into February and then March Anything can happen, get into the tournament play, anything can happen. And so just having more eyeballs on these games and following what's going on is going to bring excitement for everybody. And it's something too, we're in the world that we're living in and the Twitter age that these things are being updated. And we know a lot more about teams in Northeast Iowa, Northwest Iowa, Southeast, Southwest um, that we didn't know before because we have that information. And so it uh, feels like the duty to be able to bring that to everybody and to keep things moving forward and so that's great and one of those things moving forward and one of the changes got a lot of changes but it's been the shot clock and we've talked a lot about it on here already so far but what are your guys's feelings i guess tony i'm gonna start with you just because we haven't got to talk with you about shot clock yet we've talked a little bit through the summer and even in um our first episode here season two but uh so far what are your overall takeaways on the shot clock and how it's impacted the game
5: I absolutely love having it. Uh, it's been long overdue. Um, it I think the the biggest thing is something that we were talking about, you know, before we hopped onto the podcast was the the big comeback win that Roosevelt had over Winterset earlier in the week. And that's something that doesn't happen happen without the shot clock because this the the late game or the fourth quarter is just so much different there. Um, you know, before, before the shot clock, Roosevelt would have had to start fouling winterset pretty early on if they wanted to have a chance and and then you're, you're giving winter set a chance to to get some points at the line there instead of instead of just forcing turnovers left and right and and getting runouts like Roosevelt was was doing there. Um, so I, I think that it's it's made a really positive impact on the game as a whole and I'm I'm excited to see um, how coaches and how kids, Continue to learn how to use it. You know, I haven't seen too many like late quarter two for ones yet. And I think that's something that'll be coming as as coaches and as as players learn more about how to play with the shot clock and and how to get that good shot so that you get a a good second opportunity before the end of the quarter.
1: That's great, because that was going to be one of my other questions, too, to uh, you guys to figure out. Have you seen it? Have you seen a really well executed two for one or a big defensive stop in which that was favored because of a shot clock violation? Or what about the rest of you guys?
3: DCG um, and Coach Rankin on Tuesday, they had about a seven point lead and I was really interested with about four and a half minutes to go because let's be honest, there were seven overtimes between Norwalk and DCG last year, and it would have been hold until you started following them But this was what was interesting is I do think you still got to be strategic and not just as a coach, but you have to teach your players how to do it. And um, on about five minutes down to two minutes, let's say, they were getting down under 10 seconds before they were shooting which again i think is good basketball you know i i i I wouldn't i i don't think teams are going to be very successful if they just throw it out the window and think oh well you can't hold the ball anymore i mean you can still hold it and execute maybe a set at the end of that and uh dcg did a really nice job with it and um i think you're gonna see Teams that can close out games like that are, are going to be really successful uh, as the year goes
0: along. I would say the thing that I've seen a few times, maybe quite a few times now, is is that that team that's behind but has to foul with three minutes left. And maybe I mentioned this on our last podcast, but they, you know, they, they play defense for 15 seconds, then they decide to get you know take that third foul, and they've got it. You know, they're trying to get in the bonus. Well, every time you do that, the shot clock start, starts over. Think teams need to, you know, it's all part of the education process too. I just don't think those are things early on they thought about that every time that foul, you know, and they take it out, that you just waste 10, 15 seconds of defense. Um, and the shot clock goes back to 35 seconds.
1: Yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. Doug, uh your point that you've mentioned, I know I've actually had a few people yeah. bring it up to me as far as with the 10 second count and when that when the change of possession happens. Um, it seems like it, it varies a little bit uh, as far as, you know, where you're at and how quickly they're able to reset it. I don't, not that it's been an issue. I just know that some people notice are like, oh, geez, that was felt more like eight, you know, felt more like eight, seven and a half, you know? And so that's something too, to continue to keep an eye on. If you noticed anything else from the officiating side, maybe that uh, has been an issue or for the most part, every game I've seen, they've done a really nice job handling it.
4: Yeah, I don't think it's, uh, I haven't seen one issue actually with a, uh, with the shot clock and it's actually made the, the officiating easier um, with this, with the tense, the backcourt uh, just cause you just look at the clock and you don't have to count. Some guys got real fast counts. Some guys have real slow counts and that throws that all out the window. So no, it's been great. I mean, it's uh, it's a, been a great addition. And I'll applaud the association for, for giving a thumbs up to it because it's uh, it's been phenomenal actually Uh, I had a school. So I had shot clocks this summer in my my uh, my summer league and I had a school first game of the year. Their shot clocks weren't working. They called me. It was a school around here. They called me and used my shot clocks, my portable shot clocks, um, because otherwise I don't think they could have held their game. They would have had to travel. So. um, uh, But, yeah, it's been it's been uh, uh, it's been wonderful. All the games I've seen.
1: What, what is the rule on that? Because I know, I forget the two teams now, but we had a game early in the year that got canceled because the shot clocks weren't working or rescheduled, whatever it was, but they were not not able to play the game. It was early. It was one of the first or second weeks of the year. Now, you can agree, if I understand this correctly, if both teams agree, you can still play the game, though, without the shot clock. Is is that correct? Do we know?
3: I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I'd have to look I that thought up. you have to have them
1: in. Yeah, I to- like I think lower I, some,
4: level, lower level, you can decide, right? But I think varsity level, you, I think you have to have. Them. That's okay. what I thought.
1: I someone someone had mentioned that to me. Um, who would know too? And they said if both teams decide, you can still go ahead and play the game without the shot clock. Both teams had to agree on it. And I don't. Again, I don't know if that's actually. I didn't do my due diligence to find out is if that's the Lee? truth or not.
3: Let's be honest. Was it Lee?
1: It was not Lee. No, not Lee. Lee it was not late but uh, I would I would put, I'd throw him under the bus if it was so
4: um,
1: but uh, yeah so that's so that's interesting but I'm also glad that we haven't seen or heard more of that um, and, and I guess Doug sticking with you too we haven't seen we had such a scare from the officials and the shortage side of things and the games and um, from the most part, at least from what I've seen, or maybe the, the buzz around it has died down a little bit, but it seems to be that we get an official show up. Um, I'll give credit the, the JV game on Saturday at Indianola, they had three officials out there for a JV game. I was, uh, I was pretty, pretty impressed with that.
4: Yeah. I haven't seen any issues that were emails come across, um, as far as ref shortages or two man crews or anything like that. So. um they filled them and we've had all the games I've been to have actually been pretty well officiated. So um, yeah, I don't know what the, that was a big scare. I know probably a month before season, I got an email that had probably a hundred games on it right. and they must've got them all filled. So that's good.
1: It is. It's nice to see. It's nice to see the, the clock coming together and the operators continued education from everybody from players coaches to fans to officials and see how that continues to grow our game um one of the other things the excitement around the game and we had one this week is talking rivalries uh doug started a little bit of uh maybe a twitter beef if you will with uh calling out the pella pella christian rivalry being the best small town rivalry in the state uh we want to expand on that a little bit doug or what uh i know you brought up a little question here before we got on the air what are are your thoughts around some rivalries
4: yeah so i went to the pella pella christian game on on friday and that's it's almost become a friendly rivalry i think because a lot of those kids actually play aau together now um in the past i know in the 90s probably late 80s that, that game actually Pella Pella Christian, they play three, usually three times a year. And the last time was a lot of times to go to state because they were in the same class. So they'd actually have it at Central College, sell the place out. You had to get tickets beforehand to get into that building. So um, it, it before I moved here, it used to be crazy and uh, not that it isn't still. I mean, it's a great rivalry. Um, But I think it's more probably friendly than it has been in the past. But it just got me thinking of a small town, 10,000 people. um, It's got to be probably one of the better ones. Carroll and Kemper's probably a pretty good rivalry. Um, And obviously, you're going to have Dowling and Valley and Ankeny and Centennial. You're going to have those in the the bigger towns. But I'm just talking like small towns. Um, I'll put the Pella Pella Christian game up against any of them
1: that uh that is a really good one and i mentioned too i mean you carol and kemper one came up um another one too obviously a a bias but with algona versus algona garrigan a town of 6500 was always a good one as well that was a a fun battle and and to your point too it felt like growing up the rivalry was so different than by the time that i was playing in it just because Everything changes, and you become like we're we're buddies with the guys on the other side, I and mean, we do we workouts in the summer or whatever it is, and so that part of it has changed. Whereas, like growing up, like you don't even talk to them, like you they don't, you know, and so it it has just changed a lot. I mean, throughout just society and the way things go, but it is always fun when you have those smaller communities and. You know the whole adage that the town shuts down for that night to uh, everybody to go to the game and, and check it out it just adds a it adds a little bit and they did a nice job I'll give them credit scheduling the Algona Garrigan uh, basketball game was always the last game before Christmas break and so it gave alumni an opportunity to come back and it just everybody was kind of there and so it kind of helped add to the environment a little bit and so I'll throw that one in the hat as well as obviously a, a small town, a small town rivalry that maybe didn't have all the implications that some of the other ones, but was, was, was a lot of fun.
4: Uh, I'm kind of curious what bets who you would say your biggest rivalry is, or was when you were coaching and same with you, Larson, who would you would say your biggest, biggest rivalry game
0: would be? Well, when I was coaching mine without a doubt was East high. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, when, when especially when Jeff uh, Vanderloo was coaching, cause Jeff and I are, are, he's one of my best friends. And so it was, uh, those were bloodbaths baths. Uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty intense. We, you know, we actually, uh, we started moving the, our game, maybe this wasn't the smartest move in the world, but we moved our home game out of the the pit at the old healing. And we started playing our home game down at the Sioux city auditorium. And uh, we'd, cause we, and we'd sell that out too. It was a great atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, that, that was definitely, without a doubt, the biggest rivalry game I had. Up in Northwest Iowa, though, I'm going to say Unity Christian and MOC is a very heated rivalry. They're, you know, they're in two different classes, but uh, Lauren DeYoung has told me about that is if there's a game on his schedule that that's uh, his, his rivalry is, is the one right across
3: town. I think you know the answer to this, Doug. I don't want to talk ill of your town, but... Uh, Pella Dutch was always, I would say the biggest rivalry for, for and I think obviously we're just happy that we got, you know, when I started coaching, I mean, and for such a long time, you're right, like in the early nineties, Pella and Pella Christian was, they were the two. And then I think other teams have kind of come and gone in our conference. We just wanted to get up to that level. I've always said this to people. Um, it was always funny because the first couple years I coached the Pella people were so nice to me and oh you're doing such a good and then all of a sudden we started winning a few times and no one talked to me anymore so uh, (laughs) in terms of a rivalry though it has to be back and forth where it means something for both sides to win you know and I think that's uh, how that rivalry was for what shoot 15 20 years you know it was those were huge wins and Whoever was winning our game was typically, you know, state semi, you know, state title contender, not saying that we'd win it, but we'd be, we, we, we were uh, right in there. And then, but our league has gotten so fun because Indianola, now that they're in there, I think has, has become a big rival, DCG, obviously the same thing. And then, you know, obviously when Xavier Foster was there and then Bowen were kind of going back and forth, those games were ridiculous but pella i would say is definitely the the rival.
1: totally what are we missing on the eastern side of the state? What's that? Well, i i'm a west high
5: kid so so growing up it was always city west. and that was that was the big one. That was probably bigger for football at the time because okay. when i was growing up, you know, city and west were always dominant in football and it was it was hard to ever get them good at basketball at the same time. But but those were always the only times that either gym was was filled to capacity was when those two teams were playing each other. Um, I think Liberty opening up has kind of dampened that rivalry a little bit because now it's kind of like a, a three way rivalry between the three schools. Yeah. Um, in Cedar Rapids, I think the big one is Kennedy Washington. Those ones can get pretty heated. Um, but yeah, those are the Why those are the big ones over Sunday? here. Uh, so that they could play at the new extreme arena that hosted the volleyball tournament this year. Um, that was part of some big agreement that went into, uh, city and Liberty playing football at Kinnick this year. Uh, city and West got to play basketball there. And then next year West will play football at Kinnick and Liberty and somebody will play basketball at extreme.
1: Putting you on the spot a little bit, Tony. What about we get over to the quad cities? How does do you know how any of those schools stack up from a rivalry standpoint?
5: Um, I th- I don't actually. Assumption, I think everybody just kind
1: of <laughs> everybody versus assumptions Thompson. everybody's <laughs> rival yeah. over there. Kind of yeah.
3: like healing. <laughs> yeah
1: exactly that's uh that's a good one that is is great um so one of the things too and the probably last topic here we'll get into some games start start talking a few things but uh, with these rivalries and even just crowds in general one of the nice things is and we've talked about how awesome it is to grow the game from a streaming standpoint and being able to watch and see and take in so many more games with these live streams that are available to us but the flip side of that coin is, is probably the attendance. Have we seen to where it just feels like, you know, we've been around the game for a long time. Does it feel like the crowds have thinned out a little bit from the streaming side of things? And then I guess two part of that, and you guys can pick kind of what part or both that you want to touch on is from a scouting side of things, coaches going out, are they getting in these visiting gyms and reading these players and seeing their body language? Or is it something that, most of the time, scouting is all done online now. What, uh, what are some of your guys that you've seen and some of your takeaways with uh, how the streaming has impacted our game?
0: I'll go first. I, I think number one, I, uh, what I've seen this year, I think I think crowds have been pretty solid, to be honest with you. Uh, I think the streaming uh, opens up another venue for grandma and grandpa or alumni from your school to catch a game. and So I think that's expanded the, uh, the viewership. But the, I, I know the gyms I've been in this year, Uh, been great, very good crowds, a lot of energy. Uh, I think, uh, you know, COVID might have slowed some people down for a little bit, but I think that's past us. And, uh, but, you know, to to comment on the scouting, the one thing I, you know, you used to always be able to count a couple coaches in the stands, maybe not on Friday night, but on a Tuesday night game, somebody was off. You always saw somebody in the stands or a Saturday night game. And just doesn't seem like you see the same number of coaches out checking those out. It's like they can you know it's we're we live in a world of convenience and streaming's convenient and you know you don't have to wait for a tape to show up or, you know like the old days um it's everything's at your fingertips
3: yeah i i would say i was guilty even with like exchanging tapes and stuff that that kind of has, has been like that from a coaching aspect for a while um it I was kind of just curious, I felt like, but it's hard. We have this new gym, which is really nice in North, but it's just bigger. And so maybe I, I've just kind of noticed that And a couple of games I was watching online, I just thought it seemed a little more thin um, and maybe not all of it's just due to streaming. Um, I don't know, just, I think COVID maybe changed a little bit of the momentum. That's why I think things like rankings and making the game is, meaningful and fun as possible is so important for just the state of high school basketball and high school sports in general um just you know you want to see full student sections and communities getting out and doing all those things too
4: i i think you'll see the crowds pick up though they always pick up after christmas and once you once you get into into january um once football is over totally over it, it just seems as a year gets going, crowds get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I, I the games I've been to too, they've been, been great crowds. And uh, I've gone to a couple of rivalry games. So that, that always helps too. But um, no, I've, I'm, I've seen
3: good crowds actually. I guess we've only been back a week. It seemed like a lot longer than that to me.
1: <laughs> it does feel, <laughs> it does feel like longer. And, and I, too, I guess one thing to know you guys kind of brought it up, but it, I don't think that streaming is totally the issue too. If there is a little bit of a slimmer crowd, it feels like just in general, we have, there's so much going on that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got younger kids and you act to other activities that it doesn't seem like you schedule around the varsity game, maybe like you used to. And so that's the other thing too, where it's like, it's not you know, streaming, maybe gets some of the bad rap, but it doesn't feel in time to your point too. I think it, it opens up opportunities for, you know, that, grandparent or even the mom who ran around you know three kids to other events all night that got an opportunity to at least watch the second half where normally they wouldn't even have been able to and so it's definitely definitely a good thing I don't want to speak badly of it I've definitely enjoyed it but it's interesting to see how that has all impacted the game but speaking of that let's get to the games then real quick um as we go through just, I want to hear you guys' game of the week. So we haven't done this for a while. Um, hopefully you're prepared. Hopefully you saw something that you liked um, or at least a takeaway that you can share with us. Um, we'll go in order here as, I, as I'm looking at my screen. So Larson, I'm going to put you on the spot here in a minute, what you saw this week that you liked. And I'm going to go Tony, Tom and Doug uh, to go through and just give us a quick Hey, this is what I watched. This is what I saw. This is what I liked, and then uh, we'll get to our games upcoming week, and we'll get you out of here. But uh, Larson, what uh, what do you got for us?
3: Oh, it was a great week to come back. That's what I was saying. It's kind of hard to believe. It felt like a lot of teams had three game weeks too. There were just there was a lot of good basketball going on. My game of the week this week was Bondurant North Polk, which turned out to just be a gem of a game. Um, Bondurant kind of took the lead and and had a relatively big lead heading in the fourth quarter. I think North Polk, you know what? We talked about it um, with Winterset. We talked about it another great game this week with Johnston and Indianola, where Indianola came back from 15 or more in the fourth quarter. And North Polk did the same thing to send it to overtime. They eventually lost the game to Bondurant, who's just, you know, one of the few undefeated teams left and they're doing just a great job um, that did look like an amazing atmosphere. I, w- I was not there, but it was packed to the rim. But I thought that was a good pick for game of the week. But um, I love also, you know, kind of just some of the, the I, I think I told you at the beginning of the year, Little Hawkeyes kind of 4A team now. And um, I'm really excited to see how they work their way into battling, um, not just for conference titles, but, you know, kind of how they they start, staking their claim to be some of the top 4a teams in the area too and uh, indianola had a huge week we've talked about this before um uh you know we we all have a couple buddies over there and uh, coach eblings really got them playing well they're also undefeated they went on the road and beat a really good bcg team and then beat johnston at home both on shots with under three seconds to go and without their best player and probably one of the Top five, ten players in the state, and Drew Kingery.
1: Yeah, big week for Indianola for sure. That uh, that was something that was very, very impressive. Like you said, overcome adversity of not having Kingery, which sounds like a, a bad ankle sprain. Another, you know, three possible four weeks, and so i will be anxious to see what that looks like for him. Big North Pole game. North Pole resident Adam, what you, th- what you? Th- oh wait. You didn't get an opportunity to go to the to the North Pole game, did you? On, <laughs> on I did
3: Friday.
2: not. Uh, streamed, streamed most of it. Um, actually missed the overtime, but, uh, I mean, uh, Chris was, was was actually spot on. Uh, the first half was great. I believe it was tied at halftime. Um, <clears throat> Blue Jays came out and uh, actually took, I think, a 12, 13-point lead into the fourth quarter. Um, and then as you mentioned, North Pole came back, sent it to overtime and then Bond just kind of ran away with it in overtime. But, uh, you know, talk about crowds, I, I, I know a couple of people that were at the game, um, and that, that was packed to the brim, um, just two really good teams going at it. Um, and you know, two teams that I believe, uh, will be there at the end of the, at the end of the season as
1: well. Yeah. It'll be fun to continue to follow those teams and see kind of where things shake out. Obviously Bon Durant has definitely got a watchful eye of many, and so we'll see what, uh, the blue Jays are able to do. Tony, what was, uh, what was your game of the week? What did you see that you liked?
5: So not a singular game for me. I was actually, I was at Kirkwood yesterday. Um, the river Valley conference had their first ever shootout yesterday. So a team from the North division played a team from the South division, uh, had seven games there yesterday. So good opportunity to go see 14 teams that I hadn't seen yet this year. So, um, the, the big takeaway for me for that was, uh, Bellevue, um, 1A team that made a kind of surprising run to the state tournament last year and and gave Granview Christian a, a scare in the first round um, they look every bit the part of a state championship level team in 1A um, they're big they're physical they will defend the crap out of you and they, they just play so so hard. Um, they've got a six6 kid uh, Robert Paulson who who set a school record yesterday with 44 points. Uh, in their win against West Branch, um, he was 19 for 22 from the floor, and uh, two of those misses, he uh, he grabbed his own miss and just put it right back in. So he was uh, he was impossible for West Branch to defend, and and Bellevue has the look of a of a real a real threat in 1A this year.
1: I know I told you one, but I want to get a quick what's how how the rest of the games go. What were some quick rundowns? What'd you see? Uh, Montes, three other
5: so Monticello beat Regina in in probably the best game of the day. Um, Monticello was playing without their their all-state point guard, uh, Tate Peterson, who it sounds like suffered an, an injury over the break. Um, they're not quite sure how serious it's going to be yet, but that would be a, a big blow if, if he's going to miss any substantial amount of time uh, for a Monticello team that was, uh, in my opinion, a, a state tournament contender in 2A. Um, and then Makokata looked really good in a win over Wilton, uh, in the night cap. Um, they're, they're small, but they're really quick and they, they really shoot the three ball. Well, uh, I think they knocked down 13 threes, uh, last night in their win. So they, they like to get up and down and they're going to be a, a difficult team for any of the, any of the teams over in Eastern Iowa in three, a come post season, just cause that, that three balls, the, the big equalizer
1: yeah it is and with that wilton team that's a good team too so to be able to uh, nightcap with that win that's a good one for them well good no that's exciting that's awesome that they're able to to host an event like that and really take in a lot of high level high level basketball uh throughout the state so that's good all right tom what do you got for us up in uh up in your corner what was the, well, the game two, of the week
0: two games that uh, i've kind of been looking forward this one had gotten uh little weather uh, rain out earlier or snow out was uh, MOC and Sioux Center. I really wanted to see what Sioux Center had. Uh, MOC, this is went on the road up to Sioux Center, 16963. Uh They were down early, down on the uh, Tuesday. They were down, I think, 15 in the first half. Uh, came back uh, on the road and, uh, and took care of Sioux Center. And then the other one uh, that was kind of maybe the game of the week I didn't see, but I know uh, a lot of people were watching it, was Webster City and Humboldt uh, over at Humboldt, Humboldt was ranked fourth in 3A and, uh, Webster city came in and, and won that 72, 71. I think, uh, Humboldt had a chance to win it, uh, in the last few seconds. And so those would be my two, two main picks of, of the week. Uh, a lot of games this week though. Uh, East high goes on the road to Abe Lincoln council Al a- uh, which East ha- you know, uh, a lot of people want to know about East high school, you know, are they good? Are they not, you know, are they don't, they don't play anybody? Uh, uh, I know Raz has tried to boost his schedule this year. Unfortunately, the teams he got on the schedule didn't turn out to be any good. No. <laughs> they just, they, they just weren't, they weren't maybe, they weren't as good as they were, they, they've been. How's that? Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, kind of that four a rivalry game in our conference here, in the MRAC is East and AL has been, um, you know, coach I, coach Isaacson's got another solid team in council bluffs and, and so that's Tuesday night. Uh, That's our 4A game of the week, I'd say. In uh, 3A, uh, Helan and Sergeant Bluff-Luton on Tuesday night. Crusaders have got a nice team, Uh, but again, their schedule hasn't been maybe as tough as some others yet, so I think uh, uh, Sergeant Bluff's well coached. Um, Helan's got, boy, they've got SBL Tuesday, they've got AL, Abraham Lincoln on Friday, and they've got Kemper Who's really snuck up on everybody this year? They're ten and one. And we got to have them on Saturday. I was going to say a couple other games this week: Newell Fonda, Sioux Central, a couple undefeateds. That's going to be a, a great matchup. Uh, and uh, Western and Sioux Center. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of great games coming up this week. I'm looking forward to.
1: Jeez, we only need to take a breath after that, time yeah. That was, man. yeah, it. that's a lot. <laughs> Try, trying to digest all that. That's uh. A good slate. We like it. I'll give um, my time to uh Tom
4: Betts. Keep going, Tom. What yeah. You to I, I go hey, ahead and I'm I'm in marketing
0: and PR.
1: That was just and, rolling. And by,
0: and by the way, that all that's all going that's all gonna go into my shout out at the end of the night.
1: Okay, well, we still gotta get to that. So you <laughs> be ready for it. Um so I'll keep mine Tom,
4: quick.
0: I, I
1: was gonna say, Tom just took two segments in one there, but uh, Doug, what was <laughs> your game of the week—the one that we just watched? What did you? What did you like?
4: Uh, game of the week. Well, I went to Pelah Pella Christian. Great game. Pella Christian ended up winning, but I was doing a little research, and A H S T W, they beat Ballard, and I I will. And Tony actually has the number five, I think, in his rankings. I'll Venmo anybody on here, if they can tell me what, I'll Venmo you 20 bucks, if you can tell me what A-H-S-T-W stands for. Anybody? Tony aware. <laughs> <Always> <laughs> aware. <laughs> Tony, do you know?
5: I don't. I know that the A is a VOCA, and I think the W is walnut.
4: you, you got two of them. Holstein. No, nope. Avoca, Hancock, Shelby, Tennant, Walnut. Wow. I had no idea. Anyway, they got a good basketball team. They beat Ballard. <laughs> the other day.
1: So, What's their um, mascot? Any idea what their mascot is? I think they
4: are the Vikings. Yeah. Did
3: Julius coach the girls at Walnut for a while? Didn't Julius Meekly coach the girls at Walnut for a while?
4: Boy, I want to say – well, I
3: know he's – I think he's up at, like, Riverside or
4: is, is, somewhere is now. A, he's still a, around. Thought, over yeah, he's Harlan. still
2: coaching. By
4: Harlem, <laughs> I thought, yeah. Yeah. He's still coaching.
3: Yeah, that, it's oh. over there somewhere. I thought he lives in Walnut, just a little.
2: Hmm.
4: He, awesome. he could have, but I'm looking forward to – I'm, I'm really curious to see how Kemper does against Healy. I'm actually going to take Kemper. I'll, I think Kemper's going to knock him off. Ooh. Catholic rivalry.
1: It Shake
4: your head oh, that's, huh? it head. they got guards they got a, they got some nice size healing better be ready. <laughs> ready
1: they'll uh they got a big week they gotta they gotta take care of business uh before they even get to that game so they'll
4: overlook little 2a camper watch
1: oh man you guys are again. You're you're blending these two segments. Now let's get to the what games you're looking forward to this week. You threw, love, you threw. I'm
0: just a I'm just a neutral bystander watching games. I don't know why you <laughs> pick on me and healing all the time.
1: Yeah, that's true. You're you're neutral as as you want to be. But all right, let's go game of the week. Other than Tom, because he already went through his whole slate of the week. So Larson, what do you got? What are you looking it forward was to this week?
3: me not to to move forward, but I followed the rules. You did. Yeah, I appreciate it going on because i have the game of the week i i think in the state roland story norseman going to grand 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 christian i think they're playing it in ankeny somewhere and um talk about a fun game right now if you look at bc Moore, that's your one and two or excuse me that's that's your number one in 1a and your number one in 2a and so um love to see it. I did notice Grand, Grandview really beefed up their schedule this year. Um, they're playing Appleton-Parkersburg at the end of the year. They play a couple 4A teams here throughout the year. I think they might play Ballard as well. I really think about them a lot last year and uh, you know, the, their talent level, but then it kind of fell fell apart a little bit at state tournament. So I wondered if uh, if coaches isn't, isn't thinking like they needed to to beef it up so that is the game I think in the state of a, of the week you know when you get two number one teams playing each other it be a great one both undefeated um also looking forward to uh just it, it, locally Northwest has kind of been cruising along they have to play Valley for the second time and um I think that'll be a great matchup just uh the second time and you know it's hard to keep keep winning games and uh I, I think you'll see Valley come out pretty hungry in that one I don't know. There, there, there's, I'm sure, a lot of other good games in the area, but those are the two I want to con- concentrate on.
1: Perfect. There's uh, plenty of good games, plenty of good basketball out there. And we uh, wish we could highlight and talk on each and every one of them, but we, we do what we can to make sure that uh, we're, we're touching on the ones we can. And, Tony, what do you got? Uh, what are you looking forward to? What's your game of the week?
5: Yeah, so, so I'll be watching stuff throughout the week, of course, but on Saturday I'll be heading to Coe for the Wells Fargo Advisors shootout uh tyler cleveland who runs the iowa mavericks um i think this is probably the fifth or sixth year that he's organized it so we've got another seven games coming up uh, on saturday at co for me to check out um good variety of of 1a teams 2a 3a 4a so it'll just be a good chance to go see 14 more teams that i that i haven't seen in a while um start with durant against mediapolis dunkerton central city bellevue marquette don bosco cascade albernet Linmar prairie Ah, uh, Pleasant Valley Ames is one that I'm probably the most most interested in, and then uh Liberty and Fairfield to to round out the night. So it'll be another awesome. good day full of basketball.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. We'll be anxious to hear how that all goes for you and what some of your takeaways are. Um, Tom, obviously skipping over you, you gave us the full slate of what to look forward to. Doug, you have anything else to to add other than the Kemper matchup too? Yeah.
4: Actually, around here, um, Knoxville is actually having a pretty good year. They're six and one, and they play Elbia. So that's kind of a kind of rivalry around here. Elbia is five and four, solid team. Um, they got a kid averaging about 25. So that's, that's kind of a big game uh, down in these parts, Knoxville and
3: Elbia. Does, doesn't Knoxville play PC this week too? Yeah, they do. They play PC maybe Monday more. night. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so they'll have a big week. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Adam, what do you got uh, game of the week? Something you're looking forward to? Yeah. Um, just coupling off of Coach
2: Larson, um, that Rolling Story uh, Grammy Christian game um, is on the 12th. So um, a Thursday where not many other games. So might might be able to swing over and catch that. But I, I think that'll be a great game. Rolling Story's got a really good team. I've watched a couple halves of their of their games, actually, and got a good little team there. Um, uh, Yeah. Game of the week would probably be for me, Clear Lake and Humboldt. An undefeated Clear Lake team going up against Humboldt, who we've talked about a couple times um, with their most, most recent game, a loss to Webster City. But got a good team, and Clear Lake obviously has it uh, uh, has it rolling up up there as well,
1: being 6-0. So um, looking forward to uh, Clear Lake versus Humboldt. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Always uh, the old NCC matchup there between those two teams, usually an ath- athletic f- football player school in Clear Lake uh, against Humboldt in which we know their style. They're going to let it go. So that'll be fun, fun to see. Um, so I'll touch on a, a few. I don't really have a game of the week. I got a team of the week though. Um, and that is the Nottoway Valley girls uh, team because they face, um, they have Council of St. Albert, who's 10 and one, and then have to turn around and play Panorama. Who's also 10 and one. And so they themselves sitting at nine and two right now, go and have two matchups against two 10 and one teams this week. And so if there's an ever a measuring stick of a week, um, for, for not Valley, it's going to be this week and see where they're at. Um, see how they're able to come out with that one. And then another girls game that I'll highlight is Iowa city. Regina is 12 and one. They face North Lynn, um, who's 11 and zero, And so that'll be another game over on that Eastern side of the state to kind of keep an eye on. And then locally, the girls' games, uh, Centennial and Dowling is probably the highlighted one this week. Uh, that'll be a, a good matchup between those two teams to kind of jostle for that um, middle to top tier of the pack. It, it kind of feels like you know everyone's kind of chasing Waterloo West and Johnston right now. And Centennial and uh, Dowling are two of those teams that fall right below them. And so that'll be a, a nice matchup for, for those girls as well. And see how those shake out. And so that's our game of the week, some things to pay attention to. Like I said, a lot of three game. there's a lot of games on Thursday. I think I saw a couple on Monday, um, Saturday games. Obviously, you're a normal Tuesday, Friday slate. And so uh, if you're ever looking for something to do, there's plenty of basketball out there to, to keep an eye on. And so before we get out of here, though, Doug, who is going to win the 3A state championship?
4: You're killing me. Um, I, I think I might change allegiance and go with uh, the Blue Jays of Bondurant. Let's go, Blue Jays.
1: Ooh, man. Now Actually, you the to... last,
4: last time I got called out by uh, Colby Collison, he he DM'd me and said, hey, you got to give us some love. So I'm giving you some love, Colby. Got to
1: no, prove it. I, I was going to say, what because it was the Marion matchup, right? You were wanting oh, no, some Marion gear? was lost the Marion your...
4: Wolves. I, I just <laughs> – I don't hear nothing about him. I've never seen him play. But I'm gonna switch. Let's go Blue Jays.
1: Okay, I like it, Until Blue Jays. Week. Tell well, tell next week. You just <laughs> never, uh you, you never know. Um, Uncle Larson, you got anything? Any fun stories? Any crazy things that's come out that you can hit us with here? Quick before we get out.
3: I tongue earlier when we were talking about this because I wanted to save it for my story. Time. Love it. And you know what? Maybe Adam and you. You know, we might, we might have to fight about this. I don't know, but talking about crowds and we're talking about youth kids. That was one of the things I used to tell our, youth. this was one of the few things I'd really get ornery about is no practices in our other gyms when we have a home basketball game. And I am telling anyone who will listen out there, it is so much better for young kids to be there and absorb the environment and see what high school sports are all about than some hour practice where they're working on their dribbling. And I, I just, I guarantee, I think we're getting so caught up with youth sports that we're forgetting to to do some of the fun things with kids. So if you're a youth coach out there, take your kids to these games instead of practicing with them on game nights. I'll
2: uh, I'll throw something in there too. I went to the, uh, the North Polk Winterset game and my son um, who's eight was just on the sideline. Um, and, uh, one of the players from Winterset, um, handed him a ball when they, when they went in for warmups, um, he was just incredibly excited about that. And then North Polk coach, coach came over and said, Hey, stand on the sidelines during, um, during uh, starting lineups. And so the North Polk guys, when they got announced, they went over to give all of him and his buddies high fives. And, um, after they were announced, so obviously that doesn't happen every game, you know, but I completely agree with you coach that, um, you know, having them there and, you know, having the possibility to have something like that happen just, you know, it doesn't happen at, at a eight-year-old practice or a youth practice, you know, so completely agree with you, coach.
1: I still remember the days of getting extra credit too, for going to big games, like your, your teachers and stuff <laughs> would give you, like, I, I mean, now with technology, it'd be super easy. It feels like to check in or sign in when you're in the gym mm-hmm. or whatever, and get a couple extra credit points for, for showing up to uh showing up to a big home game and so i'm i fully endorse getting those kids in the gym and having an opportunity and creating an environment that's a lot of fun and something that they will will always remember but also motivate them uh, when they when it is their turn and something to look forward to so all right last thing we gotta get out of here but uh shout out tom what do we got who who are we shouting out what's going on uh for you oh. tonight
0: this is just going to reinforce the importance of what our program is doing here. So this week on a local radio show, uh, every day one of the coaches gets interviewed. And Raz Vandert who got interviewed this week. And uh, the radio host says, uh, boy, with a 9-0 and start, your players might be distracted by press clippings. And Raz says, well, how could that be? They don't even have a sports department anymore at the Sioux City Journal. And I hope they're listening. Well, my <laughs> shout out is I know that that they've lost two of their sports editors this this fall (laughs) and so my shout out is to Bruce Miller and David Reason who are the 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 publisher and the 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 editor for the journal as they've been doing their best I know they've been doing their best but the journal doesn't have anybody so so Raz kind of got tortured a little bit on uh, Twitter and and uh you know for calling out the journal but my shout outs to the journal
1: that's good yeah, you know, that's a that is a that's a good one. Not not where I thought you were going with that. I thought you were going to go more towards the fact that the kids don't you know aren't aren't as in tune with the articles and the headlines and well, some of that stuff. Well, that
0: that would be the other thing. They don't even know what a newspaper is.
1: <laughs> no, no clue.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. That's where I that's where I thought you were going with that quote. But that was well, good. I,
0: I, I'm Leaves just trying to give a, trying to give a little love to the Sioux City Journal.
1: I like it. That's a good shout out. Maybe your best Tom, maybe your best one right there. So, well, good guys. We appreciate it. We appreciate the insight and information. Um, Continue to watch these games as we move through next week and excited to hear a little bit more about how things go and what your take and input are on it. If you follow along with us throughout this whole journey, we appreciate it. This is the hoop (laughs) troop brought to you by shooters touch. Make sure you tell a friend and as always shooters shoot.